Hey there, it's James. Yes, that James that you're about to listen to for about 30 minutes. I want to take a few seconds before the show starts to tell you about my brand new podcast network, soundbite.fm. It's soundbite.fm. It has a whole bunch of great shows, including this one that you're listening to, and I wanted to tell you about two brand new shows that just launched. The first one is The V-Spot. It's a vegan podcast featuring Danny and Kat. They're absolutely amazing. They talk about all sorts of things in the vegan world, sometimes relevant, sometimes not. They're amazing to listen to. And one that just launched this week, Trinspo. That's Travel Inspiration. It's a weekly travel podcast with a mission to inspire travel via storytelling. Instead of focusing on travel tips or sites, they focus on travel stories each week. It brings joy when you listen to this podcast, and I know that you're going to absolutely love it. You can find the V-Spot at thevspot.fm and Trinspo at trinspo.com or in the show notes below. Now enjoy the show. Frank, I am surprised that you haven't passed out of paint things, molecules in the air from all the action that's happening in your apartment right now. How's, how's, what's happening? Are we getting a little, uh, uh, <laughs> sound environment a little bit? Yeah, there's a few paint fumes. I should be okay. Um, the podcast is 30 minutes long. Um, consciousness levels around 50%. I should be fine. Yeah, we started the podcast and Frank goes, there are some people in my apartment right now. And I go, I don't, I don't hear anyone. And then all of a sudden, I heard everyone, but there is no better time to be recording a podcast than uh, right now. Yeah. Mm. Small uh, plumbing incident, which has turned into a four or five day project of people being in my apartment. It's great. <laughs> so did something happen in your apartment? Did like pipes explode and burst and is everything okay? No, thankfully not. Mine just happens to be the access corridor to all the trouble. So they tore out my wall to get to all the trouble and are now rebuilding the wall. It's quite fun. Quite exciting. What I like to imagine right now is the entire building is enjoying the soothe <laughs> sounds of Frank Krueger uh, in the hallway as they pass by. Yeah, yeah. It's been fun. Um, I find that I've actually been working pretty hard, though, because uh, with workmen working around, I'm like, I can't like just sit around and watch TV, so I have to work. So <laughs> I've actually been getting a lot done in the last five days. <laughs> you have to make the appearance that you actually do work. Yeah. I have a job too. Look, typey, typey, typey. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm really excited because I came on today. I didn't really know what we were going to get ourselves into. And then all of a sudden we decided to dive deep this week <laughs> into the corridors of exploring some new .NET and C Sharp 7 shenanigans with spans. Spans. Yeah, more new C-sharp stuff. I think we mentioned it on a previous podcast, these new span things coming out, but we decided we have to devote some time to it because they're interesting little buggers, and I think we're all wondering, like, how should we use them, when should we use them, and all that, so good topic, yeah. Yeah, from my understanding, they they essentially come down to writable contiguous memory. Is that about <laughs> accurate? Have you been reading the docs, James? That sounds like that sounds like real natural language there. So here's what happened, Frank. Here's what happened. So I booted up one of the Connect videos with our good friend Jared Parsons, who's a phenomenal person. If you haven't met him, he's delightful. Mm -hmm. And the first words that come out of his mouth is about span. What are we going to talk about? And he goes, with span, it's a brand new writable contiguous memory. And I was like, 
Yeah. Oh, you're, you already lost me. You already lost me, bro. <laughs> I'm already gone. I've already stopped oh, the video. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. So let's break it down, right? Um, memory. Memory is good. Data. So I think the most important thing is span acts a lot like an array. I think that's kind of the use model here is you have um, something that contains types, usually primitive types like integers and doubles and all that. And you have a bunch of them, and that's the contiguous part. You can index into it. There's a certain number of them. And then the writable is just showing off. Ooh, you can change the values too, but who needs mutability? We have F sharp. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so how I look at it like this is, I think there's a few different types of, of things here. Was you sparked my interest with span when we started to talk about strings. And everyone kind of knows that strings, you know, have the issue that they're an actual piece of, you know, they're in memory, you know, they're yeah. on the stack heap, one of them heap, heap, <laughs> they're on the heap. Okay. Yeah. They're on the heap, <laughs> which means that if you create a new string or you let's say do a substring, you're actually creating a brand new string in memory, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, you're allocating things all the time, which is why we have string builder and you can just, you know, do some more stuff with strings and you have all these mm -hmm. ways of getting around it. Additionally, you have other types of data. A good example is, let's say you have an array of a hundred doubles, Frank, just because why wouldn't you have an array? In fact, I, I do recent, all the time. I've been recently working with a lot of arrays because I'm working on some new features uh, to our toolkit to do vectors for all of the sensors and phones. And those are all arrays mm -hmm. that you have all the time. And you Ooh, I may actually use this new feature. I have to do copies where I'm copying over values from one array to another array. And it's kind of, that's kind of tedious to be honest with you, yeah. just because like, oh, <laughs> and you have to, and you have loop through them, do all this stuff. And there's really no necessarily reason to do that except for it's an array. So you can't do yeah. much with it. You can't, <laughs> let's say do a sub of it really easily without creating new stuff in memory from my mm -hmm. understanding. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because arrays have, um, fixed number of elements, fixed length. So anytime you ask for a little part of it, because it has a fixed length, it has to create a whole new array and arrays own their data. They're writable. So that means it has to copy the data. So yeah, you don't want to, um, substring an array, you know, but you have the exact same problem with strings. It has to make a whole copy of that string. I run into this all the time um, because I'm writing text processing apps like Calca, like Continuous. They're all taking these large string buffers and breaking them up, looking for variables, looking for numbers, doing this and that with them. And so that's the uh, parsing, the lexing step of parsing. And it's funny um, when you're profiling your code, you're like, I want my compiler to be super fast. And, you know, I just you want speed, right? You want to be able to handle lots of code very quickly. You quickly find out that that lex or that thing that's uh, substringing constantly, looking for variable names, looking for numbers, pulling them out, putting them into other data structures, that code actually takes up a lot of time and a lot of memory. And so something like um, these non-copying spans, I think we haven't gotten to the full feature set yet, but that's one of the features, uh, is a huge boon. Um, I can't wait to rewrite tons of things using these. Well, yeah, and and so we kind of have the why down, which is that in general, taking arrays, splitting them up, taking strings, splitting them up, or taking other types, you know, I guess, you know, uh, in pointers or other types of objects in memory, right? Those are expensive. And if you're writing 
things like augmented reality, virtual reality, games, you're doing image processing, you're doing text processing. I can imagine a plethora of business logic that you can be performing, especially on strings. Oh my goodness, on strings. I'm sure all of us are, that's probably what most of us are doing, (laughs) that this can kind of creep up on you. And I think they're little tiny, they're little nibbles, nibble, nibble, nibble. There's nibbling Mm -hmm. all the time. It's just someone's gnawing on you constantly and it's gnawing on your performance of your application because of course you're like, oh, I'm just going to create a new string and I'm going to substring. And then you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to substring, reverse, order by, and then I'm going to perform 18 link (laughs) queries on that string. And now we can see some of the issues that may be arising. So that's where span comes in. And let me describe this feature as per documentation. It is a new a new value type. It's new. And it's a value type. And it's at the heart <laughs> of .NET. I love that. I just love that. It's oh, wow. Oh, that's the good stuff. Well, you know, it's actually system.span. So it, it, it is truly at the <laughs> core um, <laughs> yeah. of, of, of .NET. And it enables the representat- representation of contiguous regions of arbitrary memory, regardless of whether that memory is associated with a managed object. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. And it's provided by native code via interop or is on the stack. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that for a minute. Uh, you said it, but um, I want to take a moment and actually think about it. The best part of this is that native code interop. Um, I can't tell you I'm interfacing with C libraries all the time, especially on iOS, where they'll just give you a pointer. <laughs> and all of a sudden you have a choice, like, do I use all the um, Marshall classes, the marshalling of data types? Do I use unsafe code? Do I write a C function, worst case, and all that? But um, with the span thing, you can write nice high-level code that accesses native data. You just say, oh, this pointer, that's actually a double span. And now we're all good. We can take advantage of all the slicing and all the crazy stuff you're allowed to do with it. Yeah. And that's super helpful, especially for those low level processing bits and pieces. We did Mm -hmm. a lot of, I can't tell you how much I used to marshal back and forth in the day when I worked at Canon, because we were just receiving all everything, the low level processing of the images of what we were sending to and from the printers, all was just C++ code coming in and it was all this type of data where I would be marshalling all day back and forth. And it was just terrible, essentially. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned images also. I want to call that out because this is also great for that. Um, I have my little library and graphics that lets you uh, create images from byte arrays. But honestly, creating images from byte arrays is kind of annoying. But sometimes you want to write an app that, you know, brightens an image or darkens an image, does something with it just at the pixel level. And writing that code in a fast way has always been pretty difficult. You basically have to use unsafe and C sharp to get any performance. But again, with these slices, you can skip all that and get actually pretty efficient access to all those bytes that make up an image or worse, like audio or video. Yeah. So let's give a really great use case today of this. So let's say you do have that original double array of 100. You have 100 in a double array. Okay. Frank, how would you go ahead and pull out numbers one through 20? (laughs) Oh, well, I would decide where I'm going to put them eventually. But, you know, I might for each, I mean, for me, for real, I'd write a for loop. So for i equals 10, (laughs) you know, i is less than whatever you said, 90 i plus plus, you know, something like that. It'd be ugly code. Yes. Now, what you can do 
is really neat. There's two ways of getting it into a span. So a span is generic. And what I love is you can just create a span of double and call it whatever you want and just create a new span. Or let's say you say span of double and we'll call it, you know, new span, my span, I'll say my span. You could set it equal to that array. You could just say, if you get an array, just set it equal. Or you can say um, on that array, I think it's just array dot as span. So you can just immediately as an extension method to say, oh, this is a double array. Now it's a span. Now here's the beautiful part. The beautiful part comes in when you need to get out said slice, a slice, a nice slice of that pie of that double array. And you know what that method is? Oh, I'm just guessing it's called slice because Microsoft engineers well. <laughs> it is It is called slice. So you could say, you know, my span dot slice 120. Uh, and you know you start at one, that's your length, and boom, now you have this brand new slice, and it's going to return back to you an actual new span because you are a span. And then the nice thing there is that it has a bunch of extensions and methods on this. So you can turn it into bytes, you can turn it into um, an enumerable, you can do an index of, you can do last index of, you can turn it into an array. You can turn it into, you know, do any of your normal stuff. You can also do a try copy. How nice is that? You can do a try copy uh, on it to actually copy one span to another span. So that's a great example of if you needed to copy an entire array over, you could easily say span and then copy it into a new one and then get an array yeah. back out of it. And it's all neat. And then the perk there is that nothing is being created in memory during those copies. And yeah. I think that's the the real thing to get out here. Yeah. Uh, and actually, we've had array copy before. Uh, I think a lot of people have used it, but oddly enough, it's kind of slow. I remember I was uh, measuring uh, iCircuit's performance once, and for some reason, it was just stalling on this array copy. And oddly enough, there was another uh, method out there called buffer copy, I believe. Mm. And it seems like it acts the same, but it's so much faster. And so um, it, it's funny, you would never think that an app would actually get slowed down by this array copy, but I have an app that gets slowed down by an array copy. And so I'm really excited uh, to swap that part out and see how fast they were able to optimize it, which I, sh I think we should mention, I think this is being optimized at the like CLR level. Like I think everyone's kind of bought into, we want just a very fast primitive for moving memory around and accessing it. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, you know, right now this is a, this is gonna be a feature that you're gonna need the C-sharp 7.2 compiler to actually use. And which is really easy to turn on, especially in Visual Studio 2017. Like I created a new WinForms app under build. I just said, hey, use the latest minor version. It defaults mm -hmm. to major, so you're 7.0. But let me tell you, if you're not using at least 7.1 or the 7.2, <laughs> which is already out, I'm telling <sighs> you, we're doing some development. The nice thing is the IDE is so smart that it tells you about these new features by flipping on that flag. Mm. So the 7.2, oh, it's real nice. It's real oh. nice. And just by turning that on, you're gonna have now the ability to get it, but you're not quite there yet, because this is still not out. So you do have to add a nugget package right now. So yeah. right now. It's a little strange. So the compiler is released, but you have to add a pre-release nugget. Yeah. Uh, watch out for that. So make sure you check the checkbox. Um, little funny. So I'm curious when this thing will be 
totally 100% unpre-release, but I think uh, we're also hoping they'll update .NET Standard to include it. Maybe we'll get a .NET Standard 2.1, then it'll just be included, but it's possible it'll just stay in a NuGet forever. Yeah, well, actually, no, what I'm looking at here is that, that's actually intriguing because I think what they're going to do is, you know, they're updating .NET Core to 2.1, and I think this actually lives inside of .NET Core 2.1 Preview. I actually think it's out there if you're cutting edge okay. .NET Core developer. So I think it's going <laughs> to live inside of there. And then most likely this DLL or this NuGet package will live for backwards compatibility, which is nice. So if you're targeting an older operating mm-hmm. system, so you could still use this, which is nice for interop, but I'm assuming that we're going to get a .NET standard 2.1. I don't know. I know there's no inside baseball here. No inside, no inside <laughs> no, baseball. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I do work close with the .NET team, but I do not know. This is only James Montemagno assumptions. Okay. Okay. So I can't pick your mind about it. Either way, I, I, I'm excited. All, all I keep thinking about are all the terrible ways I'm going to hack it, to be honest. <laughs> uh, one of its cool features is it can cast the types around. So let's say I have a giant slice of bytes because I downloaded a network resource or something. But that network resource is actually multi-part. You know, different parts of it are actually different types, and I want to be able to access that data very quickly. You can cast slices to different types. I could say, oh, this part's doubles, but this part's integers. Oh, this part's actually structures, like point data or whole objects and things like that. So you can do very efficient reading of memory, zero copy kind of reading of memory with it. I just keep getting excited by all this stuff. Yeah, I think what's really intriguing is that they, when they built this out, they also took into consideration the other types of spans that developers may need, such as a read-only span. You know, when you think about when you're dealing with structs or other types of objects, you may need to put into it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really, really neat in general that that they really want this to be the end-all, be-all. So you can actually do a read-only ref struct span of T. So if you needed to do some really um, involved things with kind of a read-only type situation, you can totally do that. Yeah, and I think it's just good for documentation. It's just a way of saying in your code, don't you dare write to this thing. So you're just enforcing it. (laughs) Because these are kind of dangerous. Because they have their roots as native objects, they really are just kind of like a C++ pointer, like a C pointer, that technically you could get yourself into a lot of trouble. So I think they're just trying to be helpful, trying to prevent us from shooting ourselves into in our foots feet <laughs> all, all those footses yeah. <laughs> all those footses but you know frank if the problem if 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 span of t is on the stack which means mm. it cannot be stored in the heap no now there's going to be some issues there yeah definitely because you cannot persist this across asynchronous operations. Let me tell you, oh, don't even say asynchronous. It's worse than that. You can't do it over basically any operations. In fact, when Span was first announced, I was like, what the heck are you guys doing? There's this one little flaw in it that I just thought was absolutely terrible. And I was like, this is the worst design class I've ever seen. <laughs> and the, the flaw is, is this new concept called a ref struct. And it's, it's hard to get into the details, but the limitation is it can only live on the stack. It can't go into the heap. We've mentioned that. But what that really means is I can't put it as a field in an object because all objects go on the heap. Therefore, all their fields go on the heap. Therefore, you can't have a span as a field in an object. So that's a little limiting. So say I want to write my Kelka text processor and I want to remember locations of identifiers and numbers, I can't actually store them away in an object. 
Nope. Nope. Not allowed to. Not allowed to. Nope. Can't do it. Except. Or can you? <laughs> or can you? Uh, Microsoft obviously recognized this flaw. <laughs> People like me being like, what the heck are you designing over here? So what they did was create. And you can think of it multiple ways. You can think of it as a wrapper class or a companion class, but it's another version of span called memory of T, memory of double, memory of int, whatever you need it to be. And it's kind of, it. the, the big feature is you can have it as field in an object, so you can actually put it on the heap. That's that's an awesome thing, but it also can give you a span, so you can still get all your high-performance stuff when you're writing a function. Yeah, I'm actually testing it here just to make sure that this works. Yeah, so you can just do memory of double <laughs> test whatever equals my array, and then I can say test three, and you can see if it's, oh, this is really, you can see if it's empty, you can see the length, you can get the span, you mm -hmm. can slice it, you can array it, you can try get array, <laughs> you can try get, you know, try copy to, you can do all those nice little things, or you can cast it as a read only memory. So if you really did need it to be read only, you don't want anyone to be modifying and muxing yeah. with your memory, <laughs> then boom, you can actually do that right there. So I think that's really cool because especially when you're dealing with read only structures, you know, I think I have a read only structure with read only things inside of it. I want to put that onto a class. I can do all of these mm -hmm. um, with memory of T where span is going to have kind of a different use case. But the nice thing then is you can still get that span out. So you can kind of mix and match whatever yeah. you're liking. Yeah. yeah I, the idea here is you use spans inside functions. You can actually pass them between functions also because functions work with the stack. So that's fine. But spans are basically your function level thing. It's your hardcore implementation. I'm doing something very computationally expensive potentially here. Uh, whereas memory is the one that you store away. Memory is the one that Oh, I say this, but don't do it. You would put into a JSON object. Don't do that. Never mind. <laughs> but you, you could, um, uh, in my case, I would have all the symbol information. So where does the word Joe show up in every one of these documents? I would have just a span of, uh, yeah, span, a memory of characters uh, as all of those identifiers. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. The question now then is, if we have all of these methods and all this stuff that accept like byte arrays, for instance, you know, something mm -hmm. like stream, um, like let's say I have a memory yeah. stream, are, are they going to then introduce like a bunch of helpers on top of it? You know, um, I think that it's gone back and forth. So again, no insider information. I really don't know, but we can make an as a few assumptions. Um, ideally, every API that took... Um, we, we've all seen them, right? The first argument is an array. The second argument is the start index. The third argument is the length. And they're all over the BCL. They're in stream. They're, I don't know, they're everywhere, especially in system IO. And it would be nice, honestly, for every single one of those functions to have an overload that just takes a span now, because that would just unify everything. That would mean we're not reallocating things constantly, just to abide an API interface, uh, it, it would be great. But I honestly don't know <laughs> where, where all that work is being done. Do you have any insider info? Tell us, James. Well, you know, it says here, it says, it says hundreds of new members and types are being added across .NET. Many of these overloads of existing array-based and string-based methods, while others mm -hmm. are entirely new types focused on specific areas of processing. For example, 
All primitive types like N32 now have parse overloads, accepting a read-only span. So they, they're, they're thinking oh, yes. about this, you know what I mean? So you yeah. can do int.parse and then pass it a slice, oh. which is a span, which is really nice. And that's, can I tell you, that's actually the biggest one for me. Um, all the performance in Kelka when reading your text document, all your changes, is in that stupid double dot parse. Because it has to take a substring, which allocates memory, has to do all the parsing, and then just throws away the memory. Allocate, throw it away. Allocate, throw it away. It's such a waste. So I'm so excited to get those um, parse methods taking the spans. Yeah, and it seems as though the nicety here is if everything can just play along with each other, people always think about backwards compatibility or forwards compatibility. It seems as though at that point, Mm -hmm. you can easily create an overload for your own to just take in a span and then start using it. So you could just kind of move it around. Or at that point, what you could do is leave your existing method that is taking in a byte array and then pass that into a new method, which is taking in a span and then just automatically optimize your code. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Absolutely. You should. And you absolutely should. If you're doing, I mean, I'm going to audit all my code, anything that's taking arrays. I'm going to double check this because as much as we wish memory was fast, memory is god awful slow. (laughs) And so making copies of it is a complete waste. Uh, We have CPUs that run very fast, but the memory system is still very, very slow. So memory is always a bottleneck in an app. And this is a great optimization. I'm going to show you a little source code right here. Um, oh boy, Frank! Some so, caboodle, some caboodle code. So it's called copy values, <laughs> and it takes in an <laughs> i list of floats and a float array and copies oh, them. How gross is that? Terrible, terrible. This code is so inefficient. Actually, it's not so bad. Yeah, it's kind of bad. <laughs> so this yeah. is something that so so if people don't know what I just did. I'll I'll put. I'm just going to link directly to the source uh, code. I'll, I'll tell people. Uh, he, he's got a he's got go a ahead. method called copy values. And he's got a source and destination arguments. These are good. The the source, unfortunately, is an I list of floats. And the destination is a float array. That's good. Those are fast. Unfortunately, I list of floats are um, a little slow when you're um, accessing them. So every time he's looping over it, he has to access it. And I think that's why we were saying uh, this is going to do very good to be optimized with a span because all those accesses are going to become much faster. Yeah, I like that. And, And in fact... Why is this so important? And why did I just talk about this method? Well, this method is a compass uh, API, which can be updating every three mm-hmm. milliseconds. I mean, it yeah. can be updating so fast. It's sensor information. You don't got time to copy that memory. This is so <laughs> bad. And I can't wait to fix it all up as soon as span lands inside, of, <laughs> inside the build charger. But you know, this yeah. is like the, if you were talking to someone, you go, oh, this is why you would want to do it. I think this is a great use case for it. Like you have to copy these values. I have to store these over. It kind of mm-hmm. stinks. Yeah. But with spans, I wouldn't have to. <laughs> uh, iCircuit has an oscilloscope view where it's just showing a graph, but it's collecting ridiculous amounts of data because you imagine um, you're recording an audio file, which you can do in iCircuit, and it's recording at 22 kilohertz or 80 kilohertz. I try to slow you down sometimes, but you know. Lots of data really fast. So this is sub-millisecond. This is nanosecond range. And it's got to do something with that data. And some of it it has to store. Some of it it can't. It has to keep pointers to where it's going. It uses ring buffers so it doesn't run out of memory. It's all very complex. And I can't wait to... uh, 
I, I wanted to say refactor, but I don't mean refactor. I mean, delete all that code and start over <laughs> and make it efficient with all of this. Yeah. I was just, I was just talking to, to, to Heather about arrays. It's so funny that this came up too, because we were just talking about arrays, how much we really hate working with them, how they're a pain in the oh. butt. And then also oh. like, well, I mean, they're good, <laughs> but also I was telling her about my joys of F sharp arrays. I said, yeah, how great is this that I can pass in to the allocation uh, function that will put something into the array? And it blew my mind. It was like the coolest thing ever. And actually, when you create a span, I think you can just do that. I think you can pass it whatever. I don't know if you can pass it a local function, but you can pass it all sorts of crazy things into the constructor um, of it from my understanding, like slices, you can pass it a slice into the constructor mm -hmm. of it if you need to. So it can take anything because it can take spans of spans and, you know, combine spans that way and do a bunch of other crazy things. So I think it'll be nice addition for people that have to do a lot of, you know, not just array work, but string work. We've been talking a lot about strings and ideally there might be some, it'd be really nice if they just optimize that under the hood. So we didn't even have to think mm -hmm. about it. Is that possible? Can they do that? They can do that. Uh, 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 <laughs> it's all over the place. Yeah, the compiler can do so many things. Will they do it? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you, you can fork Roslyn and do it yourself. There you but I go. should. Uh, <laughs> I just want to chime in on what you were saying about the constructors. I think one of the whole points of this class is to be promiscuous in that it'll take basically any form of memory that .NET <laughs> supports at this point. It's just it has a constructor for everything, and it is supposed to be a unifying concept. I think um, we've all. We're, we're tired of int pointer, basically. It's, mm -hmm. it's such a bad type to be passing around all the time. And we're finally trying to just unify and get a nice, strongly typed and yet very efficient version of that. And so, yeah, super promiscuous. Yeah. Is this not the geekiest episode that we've recorded yet? <laughs> no, because we haven't talked about binary search yet. And I do want to hit that Ooh. topic. Oh, we're about to take it to the next level, people. Hit me with oh, it, because yeah, when Frank right. was Frank was going through all the methods, and he was like, "There's a binary search," and he goes so excited. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, you know, um, how can you not love a very efficient search? I mean, everything comes down to search in the end. Yeah. So I was just looking through the API of Span, and I noticed it had a lot of um, nice searching functions, so you could search for a span within a span. And that way you can like, you know me, I'm just trying to make things fast. And so very quickly detect if something is the start of a packet or the end of a packet, find that location. Writing that code, you had to write all the loops yourself. Loops can be a little slow in C-sharp because of all the bounds checks, but these can be fast because they know when to do the bounds checks and when not. So they have search, they have binary search, and it's great. And I'm excited for all those. I love you, Frank. I love you for loving that. Is that nerdy enough? I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I think love it. Yeah. So could could you imagine a day where we like no longer have to care about arrays? Is that the idea here? Or are we just going to always have to worry about arrays? Um, I think in the end, you do kind of want to know who's allocating the memory in your app and um, how often, that kind of stuff. So I think you'll always care a tiny bit about allocations and who's doing the allocating. But I think, are you saying we won't see arrays anymore? We'll just see memory of T's? Maybe. That's a good question. I, 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 don't, I don't think so, but it's a good option, huh? 
It's Why not, not? It's not a bad option. That's what I'm, in my yeah. mind, I'm like, that's not the worst option I've ever thought of in my right. life. I mean, if it's there, I, why ever have an array? Well, then I want syntax because, mm. you know, it's syntax. It comes up a lot. I just want to write double, you know, maybe instead of square brackets, it could be, oh, can't think of anything. Pipes. <laughs> Good thing we're not language designers. <laughs> You could do like a new pipe of something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll have to ask Mads when I walk by his office yeah. tomorrow. I'll be like, hey, Mads, yeah. let me ask you a question. How do you feel Can about us? Some syntax. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you could just fork Roslyn and do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should we do that? The merge conflict fork of Roslyn? Oh, oh my I goodness. I said that. <laughs> don't do that. That'd be the worst. That would be the worst. It would worst. be the best. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If I knew how to install it, I would totally do it, but I don't know how to swap out the compiler. <laughs> uh, right. uh, this is a fun one. Nerdy yes. one. Yeah, yeah. All right. Talking about memory and performance. Good good for us. If you're not talking about memory management and writable contiguous memory itself <laughs> on your podcast, then you're not a real podcast. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, Frank. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you want to go into on the spans and the memories and the spans of tea. Oh, I think we covered every Good. fine detail of it. Yeah, crush it. And they're probably still painting your apartment, which is great. So and no one knows we, if we had never mentioned it, no one would ever have known. However, the fact that we mention it and that people are surrounding you painting, this is what I'm envisioning. And this is what people are envisioning. Like, man, Frank's laser focused on this podcast. Like nothing is getting in his mm-hmm. way. That's what I like. Mm hmm. Right. No oxygen molecules, nothing. Nothing's getting around me. <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> Running on fumes over here, literally. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. You can, of course, rate, subscribe, review all the things when you go to mergeconflict.fm. That's where you can also contact us. There's a contact button. You can send us an email. You can leave comments on the show. We'd also love it if you could leave a review on iTunes. It means the absolute world to us. We get an email every single time you leave a review and it gives us a warm, fuzzy feeling and it makes us feel so good about just the podcast and our amazing listeners out there. In fact, we have tons of amazing listeners and some that go even a step further to support us on Patreon uh, and actually give us a little bit of money. We send them some swag and they support the show each and every week. We have a cool Discord chat, which all of our Patreon subscribers and backers um, chime into. And we were just talking about some blog posts that I'm going to be doing about podcast setup, a whole bunch of fun things. You can learn more about that by going to mergeconflict.fm. You can find us on Twitter, MergeConflict.fm, Proclarum, James Montemagno. I don't know, all of the things. Listen to all the other great shows on <laughs> Soundbite.fm by going to Soundbite.fm. That's not Byte like a Byte array, but a B-I-T-E. So I'll put it in the show notes in case people are wondering. That's our great, mm. our great, great uh, um, podcast host uh, and network. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> heard of them. but uh, Unlike me, are you being comparative? <laughs> it's a great website, built-in SAML with ooey that much i agree definitely definitely it's pretty good pretty good got some updates coming (laughs) all right people until next time this has been another luxurious episode of merge conflict i'm james montemagno and i'm frank krueger thanks for listening peace hey friends you just listened to an amazing podcast and what if i told you there's more amazing podcasts That's right. At soundbite.fm, we have amazing podcasts and a few new ones, including an amazing brand new vegan podcast called The V-Spot. Danny and Kat are absolutely hilarious. You're going to love them. They've already changed my life and my eating habits. Go to thevspot.fm. 
and a brand new podcast that just came out. It's called Trinspo, Travel Inspiration. It's a weekly travel podcast with a mission to inspire travel via storytelling. You can go to trinspo.com or find the links in the show notes below. Thanks for listening.